0: Hello there and welcome along. Welcome to the Selling on eBay radio show. <laughs> Just said that. We're here to save you money, to increase your sales, yep, and to have fun. Yes. The lines are open for your calls and texts. 1-833-eBay 723. That's 1-833-322-9723. This is fake announcer guy saying, here's Philip and Sherry. Yes, that's uh, Sherry Smith and Philip Jackson, your hosts uh, for the Selling on eBay radio show, the show that's about having fun and making money on eBay. That's what we do. Sherry's a full-time eBay seller based over in uh, Colorado selling on consignment, and uh, she has a side hustle uh, working for eBay every time there's uh, a sneaky fee increase. They roll a videotape of her in a little boudoir and uh, basement subterranean eBay workshop, hauling packages up to go to the shipper with little dogger doggies running around, all that sort of stuff. And uh, given they play that every time there's a sneaky fee increase, I think she's in for a, well, a, a pretty good time, assuming you're on good residuals for that piece of work.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll start running that again.
0: I'm sure they will.
1: Philip buys and sells high-end audio equipment, which works nicely with his passion for tinkering and user manuals. He has a dock beautifully situated on his property in case he ever needs to make a clean and quick getaway, but hasn't had to yet with his peacocks on his property doing quite a good job at providing security. There you go. That's all I got. Yeah, well, that's good. That's <laughs> plenty,
0: more than enough. Thank you very much. All right, oh, uh, coming sorry. up in this week's edition of the program, we have Sherry.
1: Yes. Okay, was eBay's latest seller check-in call Uh a hit with the listeners and All right. sellers, or the
0: opposite. We could uh, we'll get take we'll give you our verdict a little bit later on. Also, I might talk about a uh, a bad buying experience. Hopefully, it's something that you don't get involved in. But you know, why do people do this stuff? It's just so obviously going to go wrong that you know you wonder why. Anyway, and also we have
1: an ep- update on the cyber stalking case. All right, lots Should more interesting. Busy
0: week for them. And in the news this week, Sherry, we have
1: USPS launches a TV ad campaign. Have you seen it? W- no, but oh, I've read about okay, it.
0: Okay, very good. <laughs> I, don't featuring... watch, I don't watch TV, but occasionally it comes on, because I do a lot of show prep at the uh, the local Applebee's. That's where I uh, get my best ideas. And occasionally my, I will glance across to a TV screen and I'll see a USPS truck wandering around. So that's, uh, I have seen it, therefore.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I've heard and read that they're really trying to lean into their orchestrated delivery and how well things are managed and how efficient they are. So they're focusing on what happens in the back end or inside rather than their their, uh, carriers. Mm -hmm. That's what I gathered.
0: I think they're trying uh, to real, there's plans afoot. I think, to reorganize the local delivery, perhaps away from the local postmaster, you know, the post office itself, maybe into an, an organization that's dedicated to the delivery function, And I think that may not be a bad thing because I don't think there's any necessarily a problem with the people, but I think the management of the guys out on the routes is a little bit loose, to be honest with you. And I think the people that run that workforce, I think, are more interested with what's going off in the office that they're located at themselves rather than what's out in the field. I think that's kind of an adjunct to what they think their main job is. So that might, if they do, it might be a worthwhile improvement. I mean, for example, I was talking to my my friendly postie, um, and he tells me that there's now new rules about the, the scanning and of drop-offs for packages. And what he says is that the new requirement is that the actual scan of the thing has to be actually physically where you stand and drop the package off. So at the end of the road, the entrance of the development, end of the drive is not accurate enough they want to know exactly at which door at which house the package was dropped off and i'm thinking well that would be great because that would solve oh, a bunch yeah. of problems if they actually had that info i mean the scanner has a gp has a gps device in it i mean but the question oh. the issue is if they don't press the button in the right place then that's going to be garbage in garbage out so that was interesting they're doing that and maybe that's part of this thing about trying to do a better job of, of managing the uh, the field workforce. But the real problem is, and he, he made the point himself, is that the regular people that do the route every day, A, tend to follow by the rules because that's how they got the privilege of working a steady route where they get to know people and they can be quick and efficient. But also uh, they tend to be the more conscientious ones. The problem is when they put a substitute on the route, then it all goes to crap. That is the problem. Certainly I have a couple of days a week. And yeah. it's the people that have the temporary roots seem to operate under rules, the, the, no rules. They just do their own thing. And maybe right. they think they're indestructible or untouchable or that no one else wants that gig so they don't have to follow the rules. So I like the idea they're cracking down, but the problem is not, not the regular people. It's the substitutes and all the casuals and whatever else. And if they don't follow the rules already, are they going to pay any attention to this particular directive when they don't half the time scan the stuff at start with? Probably not.
1: Right, or come to pick it up, because my mail carrier, on the rare occasion that she did take two days off, she left a message or a note for the sub to pick up from my house, mm-hmm. and they didn't.
0: That is the problem with subs. You, they have. I'm told that the, the tray that they do the sorting in has all these cards, and it says every particularity or special needs of any particular address, and the subs just rip those out pop them on the other side of the table, and just do whatever they feel like doing regardless. And that's that's yeah. the problem. Uh, there is a system that does, in theory, provide continuity, but the people that are following it don't care enough to follow it. Um, also, just while we're getting excited about tracking stuff, I know this is everybody's favorite topic, um, <clears throat> I did spy in at least two different FedEx outlets. So these are the sort of FedEx-branded, FedEx-owned places, the off it used to be called Kinkos, I think. And then they made them FedEx Office. Uh, they have these self-scanning stations now. I guess they want you to not have to hassle their, you know, employees who are supposed to be upselling you into doing a three D color print or whatever it is on their big machine. Uh, where you can scan in your own FedEx packages, so the little scanner you say I want to scan my thing in it's pre-labeled You put the thing under the little laser scanner it goes ding It's ready and then there's a sort of a hatch thing with a kind of a very sort of unsecure flap that sort of keeps the stuff in the dark uh, Where you can pop it in there Which is nice because that means you don't then have to wait behind the lady There's no clue what she wants or what she's prepared to pay or all the other stuff that tends to go on these sort of places uh, but I did check online to see whether there was any official FedEx acknowledgement that I'd gone through this process. And the answer was no. <laughs> just, oh. I get a piece of paper that says this, you are at FedEx and you scanned the label with barcode X. But it makes no difference, as far as I could tell, to the online scanning. So it's certainly not going like, to satisfy it, how eBay. How would it show
1: on eBay? If the buyer clicked the tracking number, what would show? it show?
0: It would show not. Scanned until the employees go into the the binnacle thing behind the flap, take out the stuff, pull out their hand scanner, and then scan it themselves. And then at that point, it's officially scanned and it's accepted. So if you got there in the day and they scanned it at five, that would not materially make a difference to your performance on eBay. And If you told the buyer you dropped it off at lunchtime and it hadn't got scanned, they might be getting nervous, but you can't do much about that
1: yeah i have had buyers get nervous mm-hmm. from just that much of a delay and yeah. say yeah just i think something's fishy here yeah. and it was a 400 hundred dollar item and i said it's not fishy just give it until tomorrow well in my experience basically
0: U- ups is the worst for giving you that sort of oh my god what's going on moment because <laughs> there are two um ups places sort of one either side of where i, I drive out of here one of which will typically scan stuff. I just leave it on the desk, and they're busy. They'll they'll scan it, and the other one won't. They'll just throw it in the stack for the guy to pick up. And with wow. the UPS, if they don't scan it at the pickup point, the next scan is quite often in the early hours of the morning. Um, It gets quite a way into their system before it actually then picks up a, a legitimate scan. And that, you know, if you're selling a couple thousand dollar item, can give you a... You know, can take the shine off your dinner, certainly if you're worrying whether did they ever did they lost it as someone walked out the door with it, you don't know. Uh, but on the other hand, just while we're we're covering the topic, with the USPS self scanning system, if you can find the terminal that's working that day, uh, that I think does satisfy eBay. It doesn't it's not going to cover you in the event of an insurance claim, but I think it satisfies. it does upload onto the site, so it's visible, and I think eBay will accept that text literal of self scanned as proof of drop off for seller performance point of view so you can avoid a late shipment ding on that for, on that basis even if no further scan happens till some time later so anyway nice. that's the ins and outs of doing the old self scanning it's not ideal i think none of these self scanning things really are going to help you in the event of an insurance claim and the in the event of an eBay performance metric thing kind of varies a bit depending on who we're talking about yeah all right Anyway, that's the news for this week. Uh, what we thought we'd also do is, is just give you our verdict on the most recent seller check-in call a couple of days back. And this is a, a call they have, what, quarterly now, I think, Sherry? And it's eBay executives um, giving us their view of the world as it stands and supposedly taking questions from the floor, somewhat filtered. And <laughs> what was your you verdict? got to filter those. What was your verdict on the most one we had just the other day?
1: Well, I feel like it's also... A time when they get to share exciting news or yes. latest releases and changes and my feeling was first of all I noticed there were over 1800 people on the what? call that, that's
0: that's a lot it used to be like 900 plus I think was the average so yeah that's good
1: maybe since eBay opened, there's a more a connection interaction and yeah, I'm sure. more people engaged mm-hmm. that's the actual word I'm looking for is as well, they, they've
0: got a nice mailing list now from the 20,000 people who signed up expressed interest to eBay Open, so that would make sense.
1: Yeah. The only problem was for me, I really felt like, I mean, they were sharing their uh, strategy update and their Q4 e-commerce report. For me, it felt like a long time of talking about things that they did already send in updates on ebay and through emails so it was things i don't know if everybody already knows but it felt unimportant it didn't feel like there was any new news nothing about ebay open which i was hoping to hear yeah, about. i thought
0: we might have got something
1: yeah I mean, And then, they, they
0: must have pretty good ideas now because we're, we're into march the event is what three months from now pretending potentially that's normally the timeline maybe Four months at most, which means they must have got reservations for a, for the sites if or site if they're having a, at least a some hold on something. You'd have thought there would be something by now, but maybe maybe they're still trying to get a final sign off.
1: Yeah, so I was just personally disappointed not to hear anything about that. Although and if it was meanwhile- going to be virtual
0: only, just to jump in, if it was going to be a virtual only event and that decision had been taken, I think they would have had that ready for now. The fact they're not saying anything tells me it's still in play. The format of the event is not necessary. or it might still be a live event.
1: Okay, well, I'm hoping it is because yeah, absolutely yeah. those are fun, especially mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. Yeah. get to get my blackjack on and um, we
0: can get our senior citizen five 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 before five pm. early bird. Dinner at the casino.
1: That's right. Did we have to be a senior citizen? To we, get we lied
0: about our age, as I recall, to do that. I think.
1: oh, I'm like, I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> but if I'm going to be a senior citizen, I'm going to get other benefits that I'm not eligible for yet. I'm I'm up there, but not all the way. All right. So they shared. Um, oh, I think they were spending a lot of time talking about why it's important. That they're bringing buyers in for watches, their authenticity programs. Why are they important to other people who don't sell watches, jewelry, and a designer handbags? So they were giving us figures about how much an enthusiast, which is somebody who spends at least $800 worth and some number of items I didn't take down. Um, on eBay, and it's because if they come in from, let's say, buying a watch, they buy a certain amount of other things as well. One interesting tidbit that mm-hmm. I liked hearing was that sixty to seventy percent of what the watch market is pre-owned, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, being that I'm selling consignment, I find that interesting. Um, the search for the standard brands like Gucci, um et cetera, are still you know the highest hottest items searched for on there and there's 38 billion dollars spent on parts and accessories okay but my overall rundown is that this wasn't very exciting
0: i mean they am not they, trying to be negative no but-, but they are trying to spin the current strategy of focusing on these higher trust higher value small community of buyers where they make their money as being super successful but then you would expect that because they still drop their pants on price at this point in terms of the commission levels on a lot of these things to try and you know build up market share they've lost so yes the revenue is going up nicely but then you would expect that uh the issue is will that be the same when you go to a 15 percent take rate or whatever the plan is for the future which is i think pretty much what they're going to do over everything anyway um you know, and then we don't know that. So, so we got a lot of, lot of. Uh, we are wonderful. Strategy is working. Stick with us, guys, for, on the strategy review, which is the same thing they've said at various other forums in the last few months.
1: Yeah, so, and well. the thing that they also talked. One other thing that I thought was mm-hmm. interesting was Gen Z's. I uh, oh, now I can't even find it, but they're really a huge percentage of them are buying on eBay. Mm-hmm. So eBay isn't just for old people. Um, it's being used by Gen Z's and millennials, um, although I can't find what information I wrote down about that.
0: Well, this was part of their coverage of the re-commerce report, which was another yes. repeat, repeat thing from the other day, I think.
1: Right, so.
0: And the poor gal that was uh, presenting that obviously couldn't make the live meeting, so she recorded um, you know, she recorded it beforehand, and then they, she got a bit of a hard time at the meeting.
1: What I did find especially interesting—they um, the breakout session for international shipping, eBay international shipping. There were about oh. 250 plus people on that in that session, and there's no longer an international fee for sellers.
0: Oh yeah, because they're trying to make international be look like domestic, as part of the sweetener and who knows whether it'll carry on. But mm-hmm. they're saying, we want you to sell internationally. We will make it look domestic in terms of the delivery location, the fee structure, the risk of a return, et cetera, is no worse than it would be domestically. There's absolutely no reason why you would not say yes to going international, I think is the proposition, right?
1: Right, and I agree with them. Mm-hmm. I Reading the chat was just kind of excruciating because I don't know if it's only negative people who engage on the chat or there were just a lot of negative people but I thought it was when- some funny
0: chat, just going back to the re-commerce, that poor gal got some heat on the chat because I think she was recorded, people felt they could be a little bit polite
1: oh, about yeah. her,
0: with, and not, because she wasn't going to be reading it in real time and they don't <clears throat> on the replay show you the chat session, people were commenting about the colour of the the thing on the wall behind her and why one of the lampshades in the room was crooked and everything oh else gosh. You know, there was a lot of sort of um, Snarky. Uh, people, people were having some fun at her her expense, but uh, maybe they were just so bored having <laughs> heard the same report a couple of times previously that they weren't paying attention.
1: Yeah, that could be it. And one gal in the breakout session for international shipping was saying, I haven't had any international sales since this started, but I wonder if what she doesn't realize is the ones going to Chicago in Illinois may very well be her international mm-hmm. sales because I have... Continued to have them, but you can't tell it's international. The thing I just notice is sometimes it says care of, and then it's always going to Illinois. So hmm. those seem to be if now. Not, here's the, oh, go ahead. If you're,
0: you're not paying attention, I mean, it might say international yeah. order on your seller hub somewhere. I don't does it? Think does it, it not is. even say that? I don't know, maybe I doesn't. have
1: not been seeing that lately. No, so I I don't think it does. I haven't seen it. So one thing they said that. Is interesting is with the post office, anything going through the post office for international will be rejected without the HS code, the harmonized code. That was supposed to be a hard
0: rule that came in the beginning of March. I think it's gone back three months in theory. If you don't have at least down to six figures, the harmonized code, which I always put in anyway. But uh, if you're one of those people who just says gift blank, you might be in trouble. Uh, going forward, but yes, that's a good point to bring out. Certainly, certainly, as we get nearer the deadline, we should mention that again.
1: Yeah, so that I thought that was interesting that eBay's taking care of that as mm-hmm. their part of their international sale, eBay international shipping.
0: Mm-hmm. It's getting complicated. There's a lot of a lot of rules and regulations about kicking. I was talking to someone from eBay, and I probably not at liberty to do share all the stuff they were talking about but you know every single country now seems to be coming up with its own rules and regulations the french are getting excited about you have to know when you buy something how easy it is to repair and can you get parts and from where and how long and are you going to pay to have help the person dispose of the previous item and i do you take things back and if so what's the address and what's the shipping arrangement and you know everybody's getting excited and the the Germans have got this packaging thing going on. The Brits are changing the national standards for electrical stuff. They don't want to be linked to the European CE standards mark anymore. They want their own system. So suddenly from a, the whole sort of European harmonization thing has suddenly flipped into reverse gear. That's no longer politically... You know the, the 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 phrase that pays. It's all let's be independent and be in charge of our own economy and make our own rules. So the whole Europe thing is kind of unwinding from a point of view of harmonisation, and everybody's coming up with these things. And put on eBay as the new shipper of record. All this stuff has to somehow in the the the, the workflow and listing flow capture all this stuff in a way that means the do will come back to them as rejected because you didn't say whether this iPhone twelve was category six or category seven self repairable.
1: Yeah. So it's uh, a big I, deal. Yeah, and it is it's great that they're taking care of it. I I mean that's awesome. Actually that would have been to me a lot more interesting mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. have as a featured speaker talking about that. Oh, and also another thing about this event was that we had our networking room about photography and thankfully you were there because, you know, basically I don't know how I have the volume that I have and crank out as much as I have and know as little as I do.
0: But you're the master of the iPhone and the workflow integration, which I don't do. I do it old-fashioned, uh, super laborious, rather manual, old-school way of doing things. So I think between us, at different ends of the spectrum, we, we were able to answer people's questions whether they were some guy that wanted to get into the fine points of how to you know scan everything and get all the colors pristine to well, I just wanna use my iPhone, how do I get a close up? You know, And the, the, everything in between was kind of covered.
1: Yeah, so that was actually, I, I found that to be very fun and engaging because we had, I think that was Chuck who was uh, talking about scanning and mm-hmm. uh, then we had, I don't remember everybody's name, I feel so badly, but um, a gal who shared with us how to get the magnifier with three clicks on your iPhone. Uh, And then another person shared the small photo box, which is great because mine's like 25 by 30 inches by 25 inches. So when I wanna work upstairs, meaning on my main floor, um, it would be nice to have a little box uh, Uh because it's so much more portable. So I wanna get one of those. And there was Sherry on the call, not me. I'm not talking about myself who pronounces and spells her name the way I do. So that was exciting, and she listens to our show. Oh. So hi, hi Sherry. <laughs> and well, hi, everybody. Well, we've descended into that.
0: congratulating ourselves for doing a good job and, and, and name-checking people, which is probably two things I would never have normally put on the running order. But oh, there we sorry are. <laughs> about that. Well, it's not on
1: the running order, and that's just me right. going rogue. There we go. And, yeah, okay. Let's,
0: let's not uh, – it's got carried away with our own omnificence on this thing. Uh, oh, what okay. was interesting that we, we were going to talk about, I think perhaps more relevant to everybody else rather than us, is the the way they tried to sort of, I thought, slide through uh, announcements or discussions about how they've basically, I think, gone for a fee grab. Do you agree?
1: Oh, my gosh. I don't even think I understood what you just said. Well, <laughs> what?
0: sorry. So long-winded link. Um at the seller check-in call, yes, uh, and I think this will be part of the the part that gets replayed on their YouTube channel, they said, oh, we want to do a session about how we've changed the way the commission structure works for Promoted Listing Standard.
1: Oh, gosh, yeah.
0: And a gentleman did a presentation, and I thought totally managed to dodge around all of the key criticisms and the points that most sellers would have had and came up with a totally ridiculous, in my view, justification for why this was good for sellers. And yeah,
1: sorry, but this was very bad news about the new way they're charging for promoted listings. I and mean, there's two I, two I,
0: changes, right? There's two, two things they're doing differently, one of which I don't think is that big a deal and one of which is enormous.
1: Right, so the enormous one is that if they click into a promoted listing and end up looking at or buying anything else in your store that you have in the promoted listing campaign, you will be charged a fee. And it also goes back 30 days, I believe from when they first clicked into that first ad. So what it means, I ended my whole campaign for a couple, a few days Hmm. after this. And now just today, I redid a new campaign. I lowered my cap by at least 4%.
0: So on average, what do you think you're paying in promoted listing commission fees, if you're willing to say?
1: Sure, on average, my the reports on eBay tell me it's about 8%. 8, okay. Because I set my cap at 12%, I let eBay set the rate every day based on the competitive rate, making it 0.1 above anybody else in that category uh, at on that day. However, I wasn't capping the um, um, dollar amount of what I want included in there. And I had a huge ad fee for and one of these items that I sold. So now I have a cap at $375 if an item's more than that it's not part of the campaign.
0: I see, okay. A and but, so and B. yeah, so this is a big change because previously if they clicked on an item and they bought the item you you paid the commission, right? That's how it used Correct. to work. And they sold it to us on the basis this was completely fair because you were only paying eBay the stuff that A you sold and B you sold via arguably the click that they bought on the promoted listing banner or whatever it is. Right. And therefore, you were only paying for what you got and you could decide to be in or out or how much to set everything else. You knew exactly what the deal was and it was payment by results. Now, you've got this rather random process where, which I don't know how you'd ever you'd, you'd audit it to know whether it was correct or not. If someone clicks on anything in your store and then buys anything else in your store, assuming everything's in, in promoted listings, <clears throat> you owe them the commission on the item they bought at the commission rate that you set for that item.
1: Right, which I fa- think means for me, probably, that if I have something in the promoted listing campaign, I will be charged the ad fee.
0: I think it's, I, I, think I it would assume that. that most people, if they're doing promoted listing standard, probably do most of their stuff at this time. And I think it's going to push the percentage of items that qualify for promoted listing surcharge to be almost 100%. I mean, to my mind, it's almost there already.
1: Yeah, yeah mine's at 80% already.
0: Um, so effectively, it's just, it's and, they, and no longer can you just go down to 1%, you have to do at least 2%. So to my mind, it's, it's basically a 2% on top of the fees across the board, more if you want to bid it up.
1: Right, and I changed my cap from 12% to 8%. So I just have to figure that, I'm going to have up to 8% additional fee on all of my items that are included in the campaign. That's quite a lot. I think the question
0: would be, we've talked about this before, I think, is let's say you took that 8% and took it out of promoted listings and put it back in the bank and said, why don't I do... SIO seller initiated offers to people that have looked seen my item and maybe uh, watched listed it or favorite it or whatever they do, and maybe offer them fifteen percent off on the grounds. I'm that doing if, that too. If fifty if if fifty percent of people, but if, then if they've if they've triggered the. The click-through of promoted listings for any of your items, you're going to pay twice, right? You're going to get the SIO discount. Plus, you're going to pay the promoted listings. I'm wondering whether there's a model that says, well, get out of promoted listings standard. It's not as attractive as it used to be. Take all that money and target it at people that you know are interested and just give them a great price.
1: That's right. The question is, with all the promoted listings on eBay, are you... Are they going to find your item?
0: That is the question. Especially in
1: categories like I'm in clothing, mm -hmm, jewelry, mm -hmm. clothing, shoes, and accessories. I mean, that's rough. Who
0: knows? Because the amount of space on the page for non-paid organic search results has been whittled down to a few lines here and there, and everything else has got these big red marquees and banners and you know, see items sponsored by other sellers and items that closely match from other, you know, promoted people. And, you know, there's very little left just for your search results to come up, but you never know. Maybe that's a strategy. Who knows?
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm cutting out the higher priced items because I believe there's less competition for those and people will find them because of that. So I don't need to have the campaign for those. Uh, also, when people buy one of your items, everything cross-promoted on that page is sponsored. I mm-hmm. mean, is the mm-hmm. promoted listings. Mm-hmm. So if you want to capture, you know, additional sales from someone who just bought something from you, you're going to need to do promoted listings. Yeah. Okay,
0: uh, let's... Um I was going to suggest that this is something that maybe would be good if, if you want to contribute your thoughts on this because, you know, my feeling is that eBay is not stupid. eBay knows that every time they have basically raised the fees in whatever form in the past, sellers kick up a fuss and they write to, you know, YouTubers and write on bulletin boards and stuff, but a week later it goes away and people still keep selling their stuff on eBay. So sellers are very insensitive to hikes in fees. Do you agree or disagree? And how would you th- react if someone, and I don't think it's going to be us, but you know, some of these really big YouTube channels said, you know what, this is too much. Let's draw a line, and as sellers, we'll fight back. I mean, I, don't, I would have no problem if someone said to me, you know what, we are going to boycott eBay for just 24 hours. All the serious sellers that listen to podcasts and YouTubes or whatever it is, would you be part of that? Let's say April the 1st, we're asking everybody everybody who's serious about not paying these excessive fee increases, just put their store on vacation with no orders being taken for 24 hours. Now, I don't think it would make a dent in eBay's monthly sales figures, so they would probably claim it had no impact, but I think it would get get attention. It would get their attention. And the thing with eBay, at least as I see it, and share and with you agree, it's run by product. It's not run by marketing or community or people that care about sellers. It's run by product who get told what to do by finance. And there's a million examples of things that just got changed because product decided to do something and they don't even bother telling community and marketing and people until afterwards if they tell them at all. Um, and I think that eBay has in the past – reversed a few things that didn't go down well with sellers.
1: I wonder if this plays into whether they want to be in person with all of us so soon after this news for an eBay open, because I remember the last time there was a big fuss. I can't remember the year, but it was eBay Live. Austin. Okay, was it Boston? And it was when there used to be like ten thousand people show up in uh-huh. person, and the there was a fee increase—the first big one. I feel like maybe it wasn't the and fee increase. I'm thinking of
0: it was the it was the it was the removal of feedback from s- sellers to buyers. I think that really kicked off.
1: Okay, and
0: it was the handover between Meg Whitman and John Donohoe. He was on stage, and I think they just before that announced that. You know, it was it was sellers were going to be punished according to defects and the ability for sellers to leave negative feedback on buyers was going away and a whole bunch of things. And you could see him looking awfully uncomfortable on stage. And you could see the cogs turning, I thought, in the, inside the cranium. going, were you Okay. There? Yes. There was a oh. big town hall meeting, a couple thousand people in a, in a big hall. He was up on stage. And it wasn't very friendly. And... You can see him thinking, okay, I am never, ever in my career, ever again, going to have these people stand between me and my executive bonus package at the end of the year. This is never going to happen again. We're not doing this. And as you say, it's very easy for them to say, we, we just don't need to meet sellers anymore. We'll just have a few, you know these sort of check-in calls where we can manage it and we can kind of massage the the flow of things and they'll sound off in the chat but by the way the chat never appears on YouTube and you know everybody feels they've had their two cents but it doesn't really count for anything you know so anyway yeah. i was getting and back after to
1: that they changed the name of it to Yes. I think eBay opened. They might have yes. had a different name before. Anyway,
0: so anyway, this is one for uh, you if you want to give us your thoughts. Do you think there's, it's time to sell us to, to unite and uh, take action or is just going to pay the money and move on? I'm interested because uh, oh. I, I think if someone did coordinate something and I, I personally would have no problem turning off my sales for 24 hours just to send a message.
1: All right. Well, that's Philip talking, not mm-hmm. necessarily me. But what I well, – What here's what Mm. I'm wondering, uh, since I did stop my campaign when they made this change and I just maybe what is it? Five days later or however many days uh, later since they made the change, restarted a new one with my cap 4% lower. I may change it again to a cap at 5%. I have to just really think about this. It'll be interesting to see. How many people stop their promoted listing campaigns, either stop them or lower their caps? Because as we have our caps raised, we're all raising each other's rate every day, mm-hmm. making it 0.1% higher than everybody else. And it's just going up and up and up. So maybe just by people lowering their caps, maybe that will- yes. Impact eBay enough to think about that.
0: I certainly think it makes you think about the the intelligence of running campaigns across all your items rather than just a few things you want to move quickly because that yeah. would then reduce the multiplier effect of someone clicking on something and then maybe buying something somewhere else. If you only have ten percent of your stuff uh, on uh, on promotion, then there's ninety percent probability that if they buy something else, it it would not then pay their money for stuff I don't think they've really done. But then as you, we were talking earlier, your your organic search visibility is quite low now. So you might be cutting your nose off to spite your face.
1: Yeah, and I things. am focusing on this other niche that I have, this uh, commercial equipment, because there's not much competition. It sells really well and you don't need promoter listings at all for it. So maybe sellers... We'll focus more on niche items mm-hmm. that don't have as much competition. All right.
0: Well, what do you think? Let us know. Cell, telephone number is 833-EBAY-723 or sell sell online. More details of how to get in touch with this. Okay. So, Philip and Sherry clearly aren't experts. Mm-hmm. Yep. We need your help. Will you be a guest on the show? Is there something about selling on eBay that you can share? We'd like to have you join us. Contact us www.sellsellsell.online sell www.sell, sell online that's www.sellsellsell.online sell sell online thank you for being part of the show okay so i was talking at the beginning about um a bad buying experience. This is one of those situations where someone's decided to break the rules that were put in there. I think put in there for reasonably to be good justification, and it's just been messy for them and for me. Uh, I wanted to buy a a box, one of these nat- network attached box things that puts a hard drive on your network. Various reasons, um, and I saw one that the guy was selling. I think it was new or open box, and the the price seemed pretty attractive compared to other places. So I think, well, I'll, I'll buy that. The shipping is a little bit lengthy, but whatever. And after a few days, tracking number comes through, and it's one of those sort of strange numbers that doesn't correspond to UPS, FedEx, or anybody else. I think, oh, it's interesting. Is he doing some drop shipping from somewhere strange? What can you do? you got to wait for it to arrive. It finally arrives, and it is delivered by an Amazon van and it's in an Amazon box, and it's got the Amazon gift certificate in there. So I'm thinking, okay, because that's not permitted under eBay. So it's a scam against Amazon apart from anything else, not that they need help from me. Uh, But it's also against (laughs) eBay rules uh, that you're not allowed to drop ship items by buying it from a different store and arbitraging a difference in price. Plus, I am not stupid. I will go look at a price on Amazon before I buy from eBay anyway. So what this clown has done is, is mixed up his items and the the type 2000 that I bought, he said a type 2000 light or whatever it is, and he's charging the type 2000 price point, but he doesn't understand the product because he's just got a whole bunch of stuff that he is, you know, selling on eBay and fulfilling through Amazon as friends and family gifts. So it's a bad buying experience, A, because he got it wrong, B, because I'm not stupid, and now I'm stuck with this situation where I want to return this item. Fair enough. But he doesn't want to comply with the eBay returns process because he wants to send it back free of charge using, again, Amazon's dime to do that. And the problem is that, that he's working this by sending me, like, a QR code that I go to the UPS store and they then take the thing back which is how Amazon handles it. But but from my point of view, how how do I show to eBay that I fulfilled the return? There's no public tracking number. It's going to report on his Amazon account that I've done it, but let's say he doesn't care to give me my money back or he's late or something. How do I prove to eBay that I genuinely return because there's no there's no tracking number?
1: Good question. How do you?
0: Well, I have to ring up eBay now, which is why this is a bad buying experience, and say I don't accept his his return flow because there's no tracking number. I want you to issue a label on his hard money that goes to his address and <laughs> send it back, which of course would teach him a lesson far far more serious than than otherwise. So I'm inclined to right. do that. I just have no the chance to. Well, the reason I haven't called Amazon is another wrinkle to this thing is that I thought, okay, well, let's forget about him. I found another item, similar item, and a different seller. I thought, OK, well, maybe we'll get, the, get it right this time. And the same thing happened exactly the same thing twice in a row. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: So I'm pretty sure this is the same guy running different IDs, running the same, uh, that's the right. same malarkey, uh, you know, defrauding Amazon by pretending that all these buyers are his extended family, and he's buying us all gifts in the form of computer and network-attached server boxes. Uh, And so I was going to wait until the the second return goes pear-shaped, and then I'll have one call with eBay and and clean that up in in one call. So there you go. But that's the the bad buying experience. Uh, It's against eBay policy. You're not allowed to. You can use Amazon as a fulfillment warehouse if you have a proper contract with them, and that's the way you do it. No harm in doing that. I don't necessarily mind the fact that it comes in Amazon-branded packaging, but when you do it and it gets a little, little gift receipts in there, mm, that's shady. That's shady. And yeah. I don't really. And, and as we we're talking about, the returns flow is unauditable.
1: Right. And you always feel duped because you think, oh, I just could have bought this for less on Amazon then. I yeah, guess.
0: absolutely. You just feel, you feel stupid. Mm hmm. So there we go. Um, if you've had a similar experience and you want to share that, maybe you taught the seller a lesson or you do that as part of your business and you have a good reason and, and you'd like to explain how that's a good thing from everybody's point of view, uh, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. You can uh, call or text if you like 833 uh, eBay 723. And with that, let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, final item before we get to the end here is, uh, oh, yes, uh, the cyber stalking case. And I do apologize if you're not up to speed on what th- we're talking about, but I'm pretty sure if you were to type into Google eBay and cyber stalking, uh, you would get a ton of information back. So just to recap, the. Uh, judge changed over at the uh, beginning of the year. I think that's pretty normal. Nothing to be talked about there. Uh, but the departing judge said, "Before you, the new judge comes in. Why don't you, Mr. Complainant, that's the uh, the uh, the Steiner's, go away and redraft your complaint. Everything's now a bit clearer. Uh, you should have a better idea of who you're a char- who you're going after with what accusations." And, uh, and that'll be easier for us to process through the legal system than the rather bit of a dog's breakfast that we've created with all these different complaints and defences and stuff that, that's going flying around. And that's a pretty much a, a gift, because not often in life do you get a chance to redo something knowing the other guy's game plan because he's revealed it in court. So that's, that's a big concession, I think, that he gave to the Steiners to have another crack at it with knowledge of how the other party will react. So we've got the new complaint. It's an interesting read. If you haven't found it online, uh, you could just email us through our our site, and I'd be happy to uh, put you in the right direction, Uh, sell, sell, sell sell.online for that. And uh, there's some changes. Uh, Firstly, Wendy Jones, who used to be head of uh, operations, global operations for eBay. You probably saw her at eBay Live and on various seller events. Uh, She's definitely in the crosshairs now, named as a respondent, and also a gentleman called Steve Christek, I think it is. Uh, He's the guy that runs the security agency that eBay allegedly was using to wash all the funds uh, for these operations. It didn't appear on individual employee expense reports. So we've got two more names in the frame now. There's a bunch more detail, really, about the suffering of the Steiners, which I won't go into here. You can read about it. But it just is so sad in terms of, you know, uh, how all this impacted their lives. Um, Anyway, so there's more about that, which is sad. And it's also, as a result of all the sort of plea bargaining that went on with the people that got found guilty, of doing the, uh, the the people that basically thrown under the bus who got found guilty of the cyber stalking and all their discussions about why they weren't necessarily entirely to blame and the culture of the organisation and how all the meetings took place. There's a lot more granularity about how the whole thing unfolded and who did what and when. So some of the sort of murkiness of the previous complaint is now gone. There's a lot more detail and uh, additional detail now on how the money was flowing around. And we've always said that's the key. If you can track where that expense went back into eBay, who signed off on that and paid that bill, difficult for that person to say they had no knowledge of what was going on, right? Right. So um, that's interesting. It's, there's talking the thing about how it was all rooted through this PFC company it was basically a mom and pop thing at one point and then was doing like $4 million a year with eBay overnight. Presumably, a lot of this spent on this campaign. So that's interesting, and that's why this Steve Kreiszek is now named in person because he was the guy that ran that company. He was meaty with the guy at eBay that, that ran the cyberstalking. So uh, it's a very small world. Now, the key thing is not that people did the uh, the cyberstalking because, obviously, we've got, what, seven people now uh have pled guilty, six of whom I think are uh, enjoying life in orange. Um, but... Uh, the question, of course, always has been, how high up the organization does this go? Now the first complaint was all about trying to find a smoking gun, I think, to say went up to the sea level people in eBay. You know, there's lots of quotes about things like, take her down, or I want to burn to the ground, I want to see ashes, or do whatever it takes, or stuff like that, and various sort of snippets of, of messaging. And I, I think they discovered from the responses, first time round that the they didn't really have a smoking gun. There was lots of innuendo, but it wasn't really specific enough to pass the sort of balance of probability test that they, they knew everything. They were somehow sort of in the loop maybe, but it wasn't clear exactly who ordered what. Now the shift has been, in the complaint at least, to saying that as executives for a corporation, they were negligent in the way they ran the company. In the, They said they didn't know about it, even so they should have known about it. And they hired people, and these people were doing activities during the daytime, and they were spending money on behalf of eBay, and they were acting, they thought, on behalf of the company. And therefore, the argument is that they have a responsibility as executives to know what's going on. And saying we didn't know is not an adequate defense, I think. Now, it's not quite the same as saying they pulled the trigger. But I think it has more likelihood, obviously, the view from them is that it has more likelihood of getting traction in a court situation. Uh, maybe then people start you know, taking depositions, and maybe that gets more interesting at that point. And it's perhaps a bit harder for eBay now to prove a negative, because they kind of have to prove negative they weren't negligent. And that's, I would think, a harder thing to to prove than they didn't send the text, you know. So... It's a it's a lesser crime, perhaps, but it's a little bit more easy to see it getting into a, a courtroom with a jury than the, the approach they were taking before, because it was too easy, I think, for uh, the eBay executives to, to say this wasn't anything to do with us, you're misreading emails, you know, there's no direct responsibility. So... Uh, That's kind of the approach they've taken. Again, you can read the document. It's like 120-odd pages, most of which is the story, which is interesting to read at least. And there's a few more juicy tidbits in there that I don't think had come out before. If they had, I'd missed them. There was some discussion about paying a bunch of Samoan heavies $4,000 as a retainer to be Plan B, which I think was to basically wipe out the Steiners. Um, who knows uh, uh, and that is weird and then That's there was some terrifying. also some revelations about this Jim Barr fellow who was the guy that was the mastermind if you like of the actions themselves you know starting to have sexual relationships with his uh, at least one of his employees as kind of an inference of a second um, when this thing started to unravel perhaps as a means of trying to build some fake loyalty so he wouldn't be thrown under the bus um and how he paid this lady $5,000 as a, a gift, in quotes, by the way, would you also keep me out of the frame. Uh, you know, that's an interesting allegation in itself. So anyway, it's an interesting read, nothing else. Uh, we'll see what the responses are. I don't know enough about Lord to tell you what they might be, uh, but it'll be interesting. And, of course, there is still, I believe, on the table, the motion for discovery, Um which isn't assumed in this document. They've basically gone with what they've got on the record so far. But there is a, a motion to try and get discovery, which would give them access to some of the 12,000 pages of reports that eBay put together on this thing and is sitting, I'm sure, in a safe in their attorney's office, probably with a man with a gun standing guard over it, 7 by 24 Um So uh, if they get any progress with that, that might blow the thing wide open as well. You never know. Because if they could actually see some of these reports or who paid some of these uh, invoices, um, that would be starting to get towards a smoking gun. But I think they've kind of moved away from smoking guns. I don't think... I mean, for eBay to be ruled that they have to hand over all this material in the hands of their attorneys would be very vigorously defended. And I'm sure they would go to... The highest court they could get to they've got enough resources for goodness sake and it would tie the whole thing up forever and and with a not necessarily in my totally not legal minded opinion uh not not a high chance of success so i think they've basically gone with what they've got dialed down the charge a bit and and they're trying to get them in the courtroom because i think what they want really is is accountability there's, yeah. no, there's no dispute this thing happened and they're, they're entitled to compensation they're just trying to say, look, this was not just a bunch of working-level people that came up with this idea. Right. And I'd be interested to see what the response is to that. Yeah. So, there we are. That's the cyber-stalking latest, anyway. Uh, All right, and that's about it for this week. Uh, Let's have a look. We have, Sherry, I think, uh, a chat uh, with eBay coming up uh, next week, right?
1: A community chat on Wednesday on international shipping so that should be interesting how do we find that
0: that is on the community board at ebay.com i think once a month they pick a topic and uh, you can fire questions at the product people and various experts and they'll do their best to answer that international shipping obviously topical i think we still haven't got the answer to quite what happens if your things starts under 150 and goes over 150 or you know whether if your stuff's over $150, you can't sell it internationally. Anyway, we'll right. find out. Well, you can find that question. know no answer you get, maybe. So that's the community chat coming up next week. And also, just in case you, like me, are in the Orlando area, 21st of March. March 21st, date for your diary. We're having another little get-together in a bar. <laughs> uh, the Orlando area meetup. You can find all the details at uh, meetup.com. Just search for an eBay event and uh, also at uh, sellerevents.ebay.com. So that's about it from
1: us. Philip Jackson saying thanks for your company and... Thank you so much for listening.